Mac Power Users, episode 338, Scrivener and Ulysses. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, joined as always by my pal David Sparks. Hello, David. Hi, Katie. How are you today? I'm great. We're going to talk about two of your favorite subjects today. I know you've been itching to do this show for a little while. Yeah, I have. I have. I've been straining at the leash is more like it. You have. And I've been the one holding you back because, uh, candidly, I don't use heavily either of these products. So this is going to be a little bit more of a, a David's writing workflow show. But I'm I'm interested in learning how you're using these tools because uh, Scrivener got a big update recently with their uh, iOS app. And uh, Ulysses just continues to improve. So very excited to, to hear how you're using some of these in, in your writing workflows. But first, we have some news to share. I have some uh, big news to share. And I... I got to say, this kind of was inevitable, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, this is just the way that everything's going. So it's, it's kind of predictable. Uh, but I am uh, I'm I'm about to stick it to the man pretty soon in about three days here. Yeah. So I am uh, I'm going out on my own, David. I'm following your lead. I am opening my own law firm on September 1. So by the time that this podcast airs, it will have already happened. And uh, I'm excited. I am terrified. Um, but it's it's been a couple of months that I've been preparing for this behind the scenes and and really ramping up the last couple of weeks. Had a lot of help from you and some of our other friends and a lot of people in the Mac Power users community have have come together and given me advice. And um, our great graphic designer who did the Mac Power users logo has kindly put together a great graphics package for me. And uh, I'm just, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got Katie as a uh... Can I can I toot your horn for you for a minute? Go ahead, sure. I mean, you went back to graduate school. You're you are a specialist in estate planning. You're very good at it. Well, the the Florida the Florida bar doesn't let us use that word. Okay. Well, you are uh, very well trained and experienced in estate planning. And if you're in Florida and you need an estate plan, you should go see Katie. That's all I'm going to say. I appreciate that. What, what's the website for your new fancy new law firm? Uh, the website is floydlaw.net. Couldn't get the dot com. Uh, well, it's okay. Floydlaw.net. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, it. you you know this, David, because you've been through this, and I've leaned on you for a lot of advice through this, but in many ways, it has never been easier to do this, thanks to some of the great technology that we have. And I think having a command of some of this technology, and that's what shows like Mac Power users are trying to empower people to do, is uh, to use this technology. And I think if you know how to, to wield it, uh, it can be a huge advantage to you. Absolutely. I, I was told when I first went solo by a good friend that the two ways lawyers fail when they go out on their own is if they are unable to get clients. You know, if you're unable to be kind of personable and make people want to use you as your lawyer, well, obviously that's a problem. The second reason is because they can't manage all the little bits and pieces. Well, if you're a Mac Power user, you got that second one down. So you just need to work on the first one and you're good. <laughs> the first one still may be a problem. Oh, you'll be you great. The second one. You'll be great. Uh, so, so congratulations, Katie Floyd, solicitor at law. <laughs> we'll definitely uh, be having a workflow show on that in the future. Uh, I, and it, I don't think it will be a repeat of your show because I've actually had to do a lot of things differently. We have very different practice areas. Um, yours, you've been able to do mostly from your home. My big expense and my big thing is I still had to have a storefront. I still had to have an office because I do estate planning and a lot of that is face to face. People want to come in, they want to meet you. They want to sit down in a nice conference room and have a cup of coffee and tell you their life story. 
so a lot of that was was finagling some of those things as well and figuring out how to do it economically, but also not too cheaply that, that your clients felt like, well, is this really an established person? I don't know here. Yeah. Well, I, I wish you so much luck. I, I have so much faith that you're going to do well and I can't wait to hear how it all plays out. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of your, your help and guidance. And, uh, really David, the writing was on the wall when you made this announcement a couple of, a couple of years ago, because I thought, man, I wish I could do that. And then as, as, as you all know, I made a job change about a year ago to an of counsel position that gave me a little more freedom. And kind of in that last year, I've, as I've had this little more freedom and this taste of freedom, it was really the stepping stone that I needed to realize, you know what? I can do this too. Yeah, absolutely. You did it sooner than I did, relatively speaking. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. We'll see if that was a mistake or not. But uh, so stay, stay tuned. We'll see. Um, otherwise, though, there is is Apple news to that there's there's other big news and that's that's Apple news. Apple has scheduled an event for September 7th. Yeah, as we record this, the news just came out that on September 7th, Apple's going to have their fall event. Uh, we fully expect to get new iPhones. Um it's possible we'll get new MacBook Pros. The boy, Katie, that would be great. You start your new business and you get your new MacBook Pro. And um, I think it's it's also likely we'll get a new Apple Watch. Uh, so we are going to be watching that on September 7th. And we're pushing back the recording of our live episode uh, till the evening of September 7th. It looks like we are, it's going to be live in name only because there's just no room on the uh, relay schedule for us to go live. Um, maybe we'll try to do something else like, you know, there's that talk show service. Just keep oh, yeah. wa- watch. Um, keep an eye on the Twitter feed. Yeah, keep an eye on the Twitter feed. Maybe we'll have some way for you to interact with us while we're recording the show. Yeah, because otherwise our live show was going to be the first Monday of the month, which happens to be a holiday here in the U.S. Uh, and we've noticed that that first Monday schedule has not necessarily worked out as well for some people. So given my new employer has a fairly liberal podcasting policy. Um, we, we may be able to play with that a little bit. Wheels are in motion. Let's just put it that way. Yes. Okay. Wheels are in motion. All right. So all the news out of the way, uh, you'll notice that the title of this episode is not Scrivener versus Ulysses, which if you go on Google and you search Scrivener versus Ulysses, there's a lot of people who've written posts along those lines. It's Scrivener and Ulysses because these are two apps that are are similar, but yet different. And they've both been making a lot of progress in the last couple of years. So I thought it'd be good to talk about those two tools, um, what they, what they are, how I use them, why I think they're worthy of your attention and uh, go through it a little bit. And that's why we're here today. And you're using both of these tools. Yes, I am. I mean, to to give you the spoiler, I I think they both are good. And by the time we get to the end of the show, I think you'll have a good idea of what I, what I, or you can do with the different tools. They, they definitely have different um, points where they are strong and you're going to, you know, listen to the show. Maybe one will call out to you more than another, or maybe you'll be like me and just get the whole pack. (laughs) Yeah. So both of these tools have had big updates recently. Let's talk a little bit about what's new in those worlds. Sure. Uh, Scrivener is the uh, is the big daddy. It's been around for a long time as a long-form writing tool. And for years and years and years, there was a rumored iOS application. And we've talked about it on the show before. I, I was so into it. I heard a rumor that it was David Sparks who actually purchased an iPad, mailed that iPad to the developer of Scrivener to say, here, now make it happen. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, except the developer paid for the iPad. It was not out of my pocket. But the uh, when the very first iPad came out, I, I played with it and I said, this is all great. 
the one thing I need here is Scrivener. And, um, and the developer is a super nice guy. It's one of these kind of solely developed apps with some help. And so I've corresponded with him over the years. And I said, please. And at the time they weren't available in the UK. I said, you should really get your hands on one of these and see what you think. And, uh, so he took it and there was some syncing of sorts that you were doing with plain text. That wasn't really a Scrivener version for the iPad. Uh, but then at the same time they came, Apple came out with the MacBook air and particularly the 11 inch MacBook air, which, which Keith understandably saw as really the natural mobile Scrivener platform and the app already existed. So I think initially that was the thought and, and I'll talk about more when we get to the Scrivener section of the outline, the sordid story of the iOS app. But the good news is now there is an iOS app for Scrivener. So if you like using that application, but you also like using the iPad and the iPhone, there's an answer for you. The uh, The other one we're going to talk about today is Ulysses. Ulysses is more, in, it started out as a Mac app, but really feels to me more of an animal of this kind of multi-platform age. And, and it's quite different in some ways and quite similar in others. But I think before we get into comparing and contrasting, I want to look at these uh, apps kind of as a uh, as a piece in contrast to some of the other writing tools. And, you know, so so why do I like fiddly writing tools? I think it's a sickness, honestly. <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, it's really it's a way to improve your writing. And I, I to I feel to the bottom of my soul, I feel like if you you can actually improve your writing with the tools that you use. And that's something I'd never really thought of before, you know, growing up using um, MacWrite or, or Microsoft Word. I always felt like, OK, a writing tool is something I use to replace the typewriter that I had to use when I first started out. And it, it does roughly the same thing. You type words and it's better at some things, but in a, in large part, you know, you do all your planning and thinking somewhere else, and then you just type the words there. Um, these tools are not like that. Uh, they, they are both built around kind of a container paradigm. And what I mean by that is you've got the left side of the screen has a series of containers and Scrivener and Ulysses give them different names and, uh, but they're largely the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a type of hierarchical structure that are buckets of words. And that is the genius of both of the application and the reason why I think they're worth listening to the show and maybe even buying one of these apps. Because if you do any type of significant writing, you know, anything more than the two or three paragraph letter, um, this is really useful to you. Uh, containers are awesome. Uh, I think the first reason they're awesome is because of planning when you can start laying out a document. And I do this for legal briefs as well as books I write for Max Barkey. I just start putting my thoughts together in those containers and organizing them hierarchically. And, and they both have the ability to have subfolders or sub containers. So you start putting together. It really kind of arises out. I've talked in the past how I use a mind map to kind of start developing a thing. Well, the, this is stage two. You know, once I finish the mind map, it goes into one of these applications where the containers start getting organized. And I and I have a active organizational hierarchy there. Now, when you work in Microsoft Word or something like that, you don't have that. You have a bunch of words and maybe you've got a document that's one page long or a document that's 200 pages long. But you don't have something on the left side that says, here's the bucket of words that are dealing with this section of whatever it is you're writing. And here's the bucket of words dealing with a different section. And here's how they are currently organized. Uh, with these applications, you can not only see those, you can actually reorganize them on the fly. So dragging them in the left margin allows you to rearrange your document. 
And I do that despite all my planning. I do that a surprising amount of time. So you're doing all of your planning, you're you're holding your research. Now, I knew that Scrivener did a lot of that, holding your research, kind of allowing you to outline really this jack of all trades. That's probably not a good term, really an all in one type app. But I guess I didn't realize that Ulysses did a lot of that as well. Well, I haven't talked about research yet. We're going to get to that later. Okay. But I'm talking about just organizing the stuff you are writing. Um, uh, but it's these containers or word buckets that I think are so useful that these apps provide you. And like I said, putting it together this way gives you the ability to constantly see how things are organized and reorganize them. I think it's also more productive because um, both apps have ways to kind of track your progress if you want, or if you, you don't, I don't even use a lot of those tools. I can, I just know, you know, which sections need further work, but it allows you to jump around very easily and say, okay, today I'm going to work on that section. The simplest example of this is when I'm writing a Max Barkey field guide. They're not fiction books. I'm not telling a story about a guy whose dog died. You know, it's a story. It's really a book about using an app or using a series of apps. So you don't have to write them linearly. I can just pick any section. I can, once I've got all this stuff laid out in Scrivener Ulysses, it's just a question of saying, well, what I feel like writing today? And, oh, there's that section on iCloud. Well, I've been wanting to, I've been feeling that one lately. So I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to write that section right now. And when you're done, you're done. You can move on to a different section. It doesn't have to be the next one in order. It could be one five chapters later or five chapters earlier. It just doesn't matter. So that's another advantage of these containers. Um, another thing I like about these types of apps is that they are distraction free in the good sense of the word. I know that's kind of a dirty word lately. Everybody says, you know, distraction free sounds like some kind of hippie nonsense. But uh, what I mean is when you're in Microsoft Word, it is very easy to start fiddling with the fonts and the character spacing and whatever, you know. But in these apps, they're largely written for you to do the hard work of moving the cursor and not getting hung up on how the document is ultimately going to be laid out. And that is a benefit as well. So you put that together. You've got the planning. You've got the ability to kind of snipe at whatever section you want to work on. You've got the ability to reorganize the document actively while you're going through it. And to me, it makes me more productive and, frankly, a better writer. So that's why I think these things are worth it. Now, contrast that to some of the other apps that we've talked about in the past, like Word. I've already kind of talked about Word is a great page layout tool. Pages is as well. Um, there are some other things you can do with Pages and Word that are better than these tools. Uh, but for getting through a long writing project, I don't think they add up to make it you know, worthy. I think that Scrivener Ulysses is probably going to serve you better. We've also talked about a, a smaller writing apps like ByWord, um, which is an app that is just kind of easy, no, no frills, text editor that syncs you know, flawlessly through iCloud. That could be a use as well, but it's not going to give you that planning and those kind of productivity advantages you get with these other tools. So so who's this for? I, I think if anybody does any significant types of writing, uh, there's probably something in here for you because these apps are not super expensive. Like I said, I'm using them both, but there's you know no subscriptions involved. You just buy the app and you're good to go. Uh, and it it really does make a difference. But but you've never bit on either one of them, right? I've worked a little bit in Scrivener. Um, unfortunately, Scrivener was kind of in transition when I really needed it, which was when I was writing this big final paper for my master's. 
And at that point, you know, I just wanted to get the thing done. So I, I didn't. I didn't use Scrivener for it. I'd use the tools that I was comfortable for, which was primarily saving data in Evernote and just banging it out in Word. That's not an unreasonable use of those two applications. You know, which I realized was probably not the best use, but I, I have always kind of subscribed to a different philosophy than you. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but I kind of subscribe to the philosophy of I know that I can spend way too much time fiddling with tools rather than actually getting the work done. So if if I'm comfortable with Word and with Evernote for this particular project, I mean, I knocked that thing out probably in 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 three chunks over three weekends and, you know, boom, it was done. Whereas, you know, learning a new program and getting those types of things done, if I'm going to do a, a, a couple of one-off projects here or there, you know, I'm not sure I would get some of the investment back of, of using a, a tools like this. But I think if you're someone like you who are, is writing these these field guides regularly or like Federico, who is doing these very long form reviews, then I think finding a, an environment like this that works for you makes a lot of sense. But I, I just don't know that these fit into my life. Yeah. OK, well, that's fair enough. But I, I do think that if you put together something like a dissertation in one of these apps, uh, it is a better tool to do it than trying to do it in Word. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile Software. Save time using Text Expander because it's simply indispensable. As you're listening to this advertisement, I want you to think back to the last 24 hours and all the things you typed on your keyboard. How many of those things were things you typed at some point in the past? I'm guessing every day you repeat type something. If that's true, you should be checking out Text Expander. Text Expander is an application for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad that takes that repeated typing out of your life forever. If you stop and think about it for a minute, you spend a lot of time typing things repeatedly. Once you start using Text Expander, you'll become even more aware of it, and you'll find things that you can turn into Text Expander snippets that you never thought about before. For instance, I have now a Text Expander snippet for directions to my house. So now when I have a friend coming over for barbecue, I just type find me with no space, and he gets a snippet in his email that shows the exact directions to my house, no matter where he's coming from. This is the beauty of Text Expander. You get to save a bunch of your own time by never having to repeatedly type the same thing over and over again. Text Expander removes the boilerplate drudgery from your life. If you work in a team, Text Expander can serve you there as well. Using Text Expander, you can have a shared, consistent answer for a support team and consistent marketing message across your whole company. As an example, I heard from a Mac Power Users listener who is an advertising executive, and she has to send out specific details about advertising sizes and other details on a frequent basis. After listening to one of these ad spots, she turned it all into Text Expander snippets, and now she gets to save herself a ton of time and get the exact right answers out to her coworkers every day. In fact, the power tip for her will be to get her coworkers also on Text Expander so they can share those snippets between them. They've added a recent feature with organization stats that can really show you how much time your company is saving by using Text Expander. And really, that's what it comes down to. Text Expander saves you your most valuable asset, time. To learn more, head over to TextExpander.com and let them know you heard about it from the Mac Power Users. Thank you, Smile Software, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users. 
Okay, I talked earlier a little bit about historically Scrivener led the way, and it, it really is one of my true loves in terms of applications. I just love the idea that somebody came to the table and said, we could do writing better. And it really is a, it is, it is so different from something like Microsoft Word or Pages. We gave it a full uh, MPU show long ago. I think it was one of the original 10 shows we did. I, uh, yeah. We thought we were going to run out of subjects. <laughs> Yeah, I it was one of like our, our first and only 12 episodes I thought it was going to be. And we're, we're spending one of these on Scrivener. OK. Yeah. OK. Well, you didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's been around a long time. It has evolved somewhat, but it, it largely is, uh, you know, very similar to the way it, re it really started. And but they have added an iOS application. And while they were slow to the game, and I guess there's kind of a little story or novel behind uh, you know, different developers coming in to help him. And ultimately he did it himself, but uh, he shipped a really good iteration of Scrivener for iOS, which nobody was really sure was going to happen because Scrivener is kind of fiddly and does have a lot of bells and whistles to it. You have to wonder when an app like that comes over to iOS, if it's going to lose something in the translation. Uh, but it's recently arrived. I've been using it. I was in on the beta and I've been using it. Uh, so throughout the beta and since it since it shipped, I would say about two, three months ago now. And it's a really good application. Um, so so to give you an overview of what Scrivener is, it is that writing environment we were talking about earlier. Um, it gives you the ability to keep your words in buckets and organize and shift them around. And the thing that you teased at earlier was research. So it's okay if I talk about research now for a little bit. Yeah, I think you should. Because I think that's a very, very important part of Scrivener. Yeah, it is one of the, the cornerstones of the application. Scrivener does research really well. Um, and by research, it can mean anything. It, you know, the, the reason the application first came into existence is because the app developer wanted to write a novel. And so he wanted to have a way to keep research about locations that are going to be in the novel and character development and all the things that novelists are going to need to track while they're putting something together. Uh, like I once read that um, George R.R. R. Martin, the guy who does Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. that when he's writing his books, he has to go on the web to like look at the Wikipedias about his characters because he's got so many he forgets. <laughs> you know, see if he had Scrivener, that wouldn't be a problem. He'd have all that research right there. Um, and I've never written a novel and, and don't have any big desire to do so. And But what brought me to Scrivener is not the field guides so much as it is the legal stuff I do. Um uh, my practice uh, does involve some very complicated documents. Sometimes they're they're pleadings that get filed in court, and sometimes they're just transactional documents. But um, I get occasionally into this hole where I'm working on something that has all sorts of research and prior documents as a part of it and exhibits. And I wanted a simple way to write those documents well. And I really believe that Scrivener is, is the answer for that question, because in terms of research, Scrivener will hold just about anything you throw at it. You can put a Word document in there or you can put a PDF or you can put, you know, an HTML link. So just to give you an idea, we talked earlier about that left column and Scrivener. You've got the left column where you've got the organization and the structure of the documents or the, the text stuff you're working on. And below that, they've got a little thing that says research and you can have stuff in there. So as an example, if I was writing a, a motion, I may have the pleadings by the parties and the contracts underlying the dispute and, you know, discovery answers that people have provided. I actually did a, um, 
a little post for the Literature and Latte Scrivener developer on their website talking about how I use Scrivener to write legal documents. And it becomes just like a novelist. I'm using this as a section to have my research together. And the beauty about doing it in Scrivener as opposed to something like Evernote plus Word is not only do you get that all those organizational things that I like about organizing my words in Scrivener, but you also have the research all in one application. And they've got some great ways to display it. Like I really am a fan of the vertical split screen in Scrivener, especially with a 27-inch iMac. You are such a boss when you do that. So you make the screen a full screen app. You give the left side of the screen your research and the right side of the screen your various text buckets. And you can be jumping through the contract, writing document, you know, writing words on the right side of the screen, looking at the left side of the screen. And you can click between any one of those research documents and any one of those text buckets at will. And when you get into the zone with this stuff, there is just nothing faster. And I would put that against Word plus Evernote any day of the week. So talk a little bit about how how do you get all of this information into Scrivener? Because with Evernote, it's it's easy. You know, I've got the Evernote Web Clipper. I mean, you've you've talked to yourself and joked about it, how easy it is to get it is to get stuff into Evernote, but sometimes not necessarily so easy to get it out. With Scrivener, you just drag it in. So if you've got a file with um, some PDFs in it, like normally with law stuff, I will have a, a client file with a bunch of PDFs in it. You know, I scan everything. I've got the scan snap. You know, you've heard about that. So uh, I'll just drag them in to the Scrivener project. And Scrivener is a project-based paradigm. So each time you do something with it, it's its, its own file. So I'll have a project for a big transaction. And that transaction may have multiple pieces to it. And I don't want to get in the whole legal mumbo jumbo, but like if you're selling a company, it's not just one document says we're selling a company. There's usually, you know, promissory notes and uh, security agreements and all sorts of things thrown in there. But we need all these source documents to figure everything out. So if that starts happening, the first thing I'll do is grab all of those PDFs that I've scanned as the things came in, sometimes maybe even Word documents, and I'll throw them under the research tab of Scrivener and I'll start organizing them. You can put them into little folders. I mean, it's Scrivener gives you a lot of different ways to organize this stuff. But the idea is, I have a logical um, organization of this that makes sense to me, and I've got them embedded in this single document. Right. So you're sitting there and you're looking at them side by side in the Scrivener window. Yeah. And you just copy and paste, or you're highlighting, or you're just typing from one right into another? Yes. All of the above. Any of the above. Yeah. So you've got everything there. And and what I do is quite often on a, on a legal project, I, we, you know, we don't talk legal too much here, but because I use Scrivener so much for legal, I guess this is one I'm going to break my rule. Um, there's so much stuff in there that once I get all of the research and source documents organized, um, then I will start laying out the actual transactional documents or the actual legal filings. And I, I make big, you know, big bucket things like it could be the name of the purchase agreement, name of the security agreement or whatever. If it was a summary judgment motion, it would be the filing papers, the declarations. So suddenly I just have kind of big bucket um, I identification of stuff I'm going to be writing based on these things. And nothing is ever static. It's always moving. Like if I'm working on a transaction and I've got a big Scrivener project based on it and somebody sends me an email and says, here's the sales figures that we need to match or whatever. I will block and copy that as text and I will put it into a research portion of Scrivener. Um, so 
all of that stuff gets to one place. So I don't have to be you know, like fiddling around looking where was that email where he gave me those figures or where was that PDF where we had that? It's all just one place and it's super useful. And so you've got the research that's always growing. And then uh, on the top end of Scrivener, you've got the actual text buckets that you're always growing. And those are the things you're doing. Like if I say early on, I'm going to make a security agreement. Then I start thinking, well, what are the key terms of that? And I'll start writing down little text buckets. You know, is there going to be an attorney fee clause? I'm, I'm trying to use generic stuff here that anybody would understand, but it's just, there's, you know, technical little pieces of these agreements that sometimes make sense and time sometimes don't. So I, I just start building it that way structurally all in Scrivener. And then my job as a lawyer is to start referring to those source documents and figure out what makes sense to go into those text buckets. And I, that's how I pay for my shoes is I go through and do it right. And I figure it out and I build the document slowly in Scrivener. So let's take it away from a lawyer and say that you are writing a dissertation or a paper for high school or a sales proposal that you, you know, there's all these different things you could do with this stuff and, and having the ability to have everything in one logical place put it on your screen and then just start writing the pieces that make sense and then track those pieces as they are done. So you can see that I structurally set up that I'm going to have a section in here about subject X, Y, Z, but right now it's an empty bucket. So that goes on your list. Okay. At some point I'm going to fill that bucket with words and I'm going to deal with this issue. And the whole thing just starts coming together that way. It's a very organic way to write. And, um, and I know that you're done with your big paper, but if you had another one, I would really encourage you to try it once because it's not a huge learning curve. Honestly, I think anybody that spent, anybody that listens to this show is already, uh, I think, probably pretty adept at picking things up. Um, Scrivener does not try to reinvent the wheel, but you do need to figure out a little bit how things are arranged. But, you know, if you can drive a Mac, you can probably use it. Uh, but if you spent probably an hour setting it up, it would pay dividends. And I think it would almost be worth it for just one paper. It would certainly be worth it for two. So how would you use Scrivener before when you were using it? Because before you had this fancy schmancy iPad pro thing, you would use Scrivener before on multiple Macs. You had your, your Mac at home and you had your Mac on the laptop because Scrivener incorporates all of these things into containers um, that made syncing difficult. Yes and no. It's saved as a package file. And so that package, if you unpack it, has like the PDFs and the Word documents and the text buckets in it. And then it unpacks it whenever you open it up on a different device. Uh, traditionally, I've always used Dropbox as a back-end sync once Dropbox came into existence. And originally, there were some problems, but Dropbox has got much better package files over the years. So it really hasn't been that difficult. Uh, I always was very careful. Like I never wanted to have Scrivener, like a Scrivener project open on the laptop and the the iMac at the same time. I felt like I was just asking for it if I did that. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not that difficult. There's also a version of Scrivener for PC. So that's that's another point. If you're looking to be able to collaborate on a PC as well as a Mac, or, or I guess I shouldn't say collaborate. If you're looking to work on both a PC and a Mac, then Scrivener definitely has points up over Ulysses at that point. Um, but it's really not that difficult. Like I said, just make sure you save it whenever you're done um, and you're going to be okay. What about collaborating with multiple people? Yeah, I'm going to talk about that later. That is a negative for both of these apps. I mean, tracking changes is just not something they do. And I'm going to talk about how I deal with that later. But the for the hard work of 
the initial drafting, whether it's a dissertation or a legal brief or something that requires a lot of research and writing, um, this is just an ideal tool for that. Uh, it's got WYSI features too. Like they have things like target word counts and, you know, tracking the story. They've got a cork board feature, you know, like the old days where you used to have the cork board and you'd stick the note cards up with note cards. Yeah, just like that. You can sort it and it will resort the sections of your, your words based on the way you sort the cork board. But it's a, um, it's, it's really built around the idea in my mind of getting that, that first draft out and kind of massaging it to the point that you're pretty happy with it and having the research available to you directly. To me, one of the big selling points of Scrivener is research. And I'm going to talk about this when I contrast it to Ulysses in a minute. But um, if you are doing anything that requires research, you should at least download the trial of Scrivener and see how that works for you. So how do you solve the Roach Motel problem? I've got stuff in Scrivener, but now I need to do something with it. I need to send it to my editor. I need to submit it for my final paper. Uh, you know, I, I can't send a Scrivener file to somebody else when I'm ready to submit my my final product. W where does it go from there? Yeah, Scrivener is a step in the process. It's a big step, but it's not the final step for most people. Um, it, the Mac version in particular is quite powerful with its export features. Like it's got some really nice ebook and e-publishing uh, templates. You know, you can literally compile and publish an ebook directly from the application. But if you're like me, you need someone else to read it once in a while to make sure you didn't mess anything up. Um, using Scrivener and frankly, Ulysses as well, it's, it's pretty easy to compile and save out your words in different formats. Uh, they both support Word, you know, Microsoft Word format, rich text, PDF. So it, it's not super difficult to do that. The question is, though, at what do you do with the words after they're out? Yeah, is there any going back once you've once you're out of Scrivener? Are you done? Well, you can reimport them, but I feel like it's more trouble than it's worth. Uh, just as an example, I'm just as we're uh, recording this today, I'm just finishing up my monthly newsletter. By the way, if you haven't signed up for the Max Barkey newsletter, you should. Go over to maxsparky.com. But I, so I, I write that in Ulysses and I compile and export it to uh, rich text. And then I, I save it to a pages document because I have an editor that helps me out with it. And I send the pages document to my editor. The editor usually makes a few changes. When he gets back, I go through them and accept the ones that make sense. And then from there, I get that text out of there and, and format it out of pages into plain text again. And then I use it as a basis to build the newsletter in the MailChimp where I, you know, where I run my newsletter. So it never gets back into Ulysses. Um, uh, so somebody will say, well, why didn't you just write the thing in pages from the beginning? Well, because it just doesn't work that way. And the workflow I use for Ulysses makes this a lot easier to do uh, incrementally in Ulysses than to try and write it in pages at the end of the month. That kind of surprises me that you write your, your newsletter there because if if memory serves, your newsletter is not particularly long form. I mean, you have a bunch of smaller segments, right? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to jump over to Ulysses just for a second. Uh, Ulysses is really good at short bits of text and tracking those things. So what I do is I have a Ulysses um, project called um, Newsletter, and I've got a new one for each month. Uh, the August 2016 one has been open for a month now. And every time I write something interesting on the blog that I think I may want to include in the newsletter or come across something I want to include in the newsletter at the end of the month, rather than add it to OmniFocus so then I'd have a separate thing to track, 
I just write that portion. I go into Ulysses, I write that portion of the text. Like one of the things I do in the newsletters, I summarize the Mac Power Users episodes because some people you know, don't listen to everyone and they get the newsletter and they want to go check one out. What? I know that's crazy. It's crazy. But some people do that. So every time we publish a new MPU episode, I just, you know, write a little paragraph and save it to that Ulysses file. So at the end of the month, putting together a newsletter isn't a big writing project for me. It's more of a assembly of stuff I've already written and cleaning it up and sending it out for editing. Can, can I tell you, just changing the subject for a minute, uh, one of the things that I've, you have done amazing things with Max Sparky, I think particularly in the last year and a half or so since you've gone indie. And I expected that to happen with me when I made my first job change about a year ago and the exact opposite has happened. I am really looking forward to hopefully upping my game on my blog a little bit. And uh, I just, I think you've done wonderful things with Max Sparky. So if people aren't checking it out, they definitely should. Well, thanks. And I feel like I haven't, I feel like there was so much, I could have done so much better, <laughs> but it, it's hard, you know, <laughs> it, it is hard. Yeah. You know, you got a podcast and, and blog and books and kids and a lot of practice. It's, and, and you feel like you don't want to write something just to say something because you feel like you need to put something up on the blog. Yeah. No white noise. I don't do that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so so that's a little workflow I do in Ulysses. And, and the benefit of it there is the text bank feature, which is, I think is something we're going to talk about when we get to Ulysses. But let's stay over on Scrivener for a few more minutes. Um, um, uh, Scrivener allows you to export it. If, if you are somebody that can proofread your own stuff, you don't need to leave Scrivener. I mean, you, you can do the whole thing there. You can publish an ebook from Scrivener. If it's something that's going to be printed on paper, you need to export it anyway and get it into Word or Pages or whatever your page layout tool is of choice. Scrivener, by definition, is not built to be a page layout tool. And that's the advantage. That's why writing in it is so much easier. You don't have to worry about it. Like, Have you ever written in Microsoft Word and you get to the bottom, there's like three inches of white space because the page? I, I don't understand. Yeah, you do, right? You've seen that. No, I don't understand why Word does the things it does with formatting. Yeah, it's just silly, right? When this is just your words on the screen, it, it is, um, it's more pure, I guess is the way that you say it. And I know I sound like a weirdo, but if you write a lot and you're passionate about it, you, you'll find that getting a tool like this really can up your game a bit. Um, let me just take a minute to talk about some of the good stuff about um Scrivener that I really like um, that I haven't mentioned already. Uh, one is rich text. Uh, Scrivener has always been a rich text based editor. And we talk about Markdown all the time. And I like to write it in Markdown. I know there's a lot of people out there that just want rich text. They want the ability to make the, the fonts change. They want the ability to set colors and do things with their text while they're writing. Scrivener fully supports this. And not only does it support it on the Mac, which I think is a given, but it supports it on iOS, which to me is remarkable because that is not easy. I mean, the, the iPad and the iOS stuff are not built to use rich text easily. There's not a common standard. I haven't talked to Keith, but my guess is he probably did a lot of ground up work to make that happen for people. And it works really well. So right. rich text, if you like rich text, that's a big deal. You, you need to spend some time with Scrivener. Uh, one of the things I like is the research. And like I said, I don't think Ulysses or any other application has this idea of self-contained research and the stuff you're writing in one place like Scrivener does. And I mean, I just started writing a new big motion for a case. And it is, for me, a natural that goes straight into Scrivener, gets a new project. I start dragging the assets in. I didn't really fully answer your question earlier about what do I do when I'm done? When I'm done, I get the text out of there somewhere. You know, the, the work product that I'm building is what I want out of it. 
the actual research in there, it doesn't matter because the research is stuff I've copied in there from other places. I don't need to get it back out. All your research you have saved somewhere else on the computer, right? Yeah, exactly. It's always coming from somewhere else. Um, it's not, I don't look at that as a storage place. I'll get just, it's like having, you know, a special desk set aside to write this paper. And I've got copies of all the key documents and my fancy, you know, pen and, and my artisanal paper in front of me. That's what Scrivener is. It's got all this stuff there. When it's done, I can take the, the stuff I've written off the desk. I can sweep everything else in the trash because they're all copies. Okay. Uh, other things I like about Scrivener, I think they did an amazing job on the iOS app, and I was really concerned that they would not. Um, you know, because it does reach text, because it's it can be very fiddly with giving you lots of options and dials and whistles. Um, that's all stuff that generally doesn't translate well to iOS, and they managed to do it. They, they've got a couple of features in there that I wish everybody would use. Like when you're on text, when you've got text on the screen, if you just pinch. Or, you know, the opposite of a pinch, the text gets bigger or smaller. You don't have to go to find the setting to make the text easier to read. You just use your fingers. What a great idea. Um, you can have access to your research on iOS. That's something I was thinking, are they really going to make it so I can access all these PDFs? Yes, they did. Um, it's a very feature-rich application. And in the case of Scrivener, that's good. Um, another good thing I like about Scrivener is organization and outlining. They have the cork board. They have a way to display your, your document structure in an outline format. So it is more organization slash planning friendly than even Ulysses is and some of the other applications out there. Um, so, uh, you know, it's really a powerful application, particularly for research-based writing, particularly for people who like rich text. And I think that if if you fit into either one of those categories, you should at least download the trial. I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode, Fujitsu. You can find out more information about the entire Fujitsu line of products by heading over to budurl.me slash SSMPU. Fujitsu makes what I personally believe to be the best line of document scanners for your home, for your office, or for even on the go. And it all starts with great software. The Fujitsu ScanSnap software allows you to do so many things, including um, scan documents that are larger than legal size. It will automatically OCR your documents so you can do magical things with the characters that are recognized on pages. It will scan to many cloud services, including Dropbox, Evernote, Google Docs, and more. You can set up multiple profiles, so maybe you want to scan a single page, maybe you want to set it up for batch scanning for large documents, and that even includes software to allow you to scan and organize business cards and receipts. But that's just the software. They make an incredible line of scanner products to go with this amazing software. My personal favorite is the iX500. This is the Mac Daddy scanner. In fact, I've got one on my desk at home, and I just picked up another one for my brand new office. This is a full duplex scanner, meaning when you stick a piece of paper through it, it will scan both sides simultaneously, and it has a 50-sheet feeder, so you can really stack the documents up on there. It will connect to your computer or your iOS device with USB 3.0 or through Wi-Fi, and it will scan upwards of 25 pages per minute. You can scan again to a computer or directly to a mobile device. It will scan either PDFs or JPEGs. And it's got this magical roller separation, so it's going to make sure that it doesn't accidentally grab multiple pages and that you don't end up with jams. 
Now that's the iX500. They've also got the S1300i. So if you don't need quite as much power, you're looking for something a little more portable, this will sit on your desktop or you can store it in a drawer and it will do up to 12 pages per minute, double-sided multi-page scanning, and it can be USB powered for portability if you like. But for the ultimate in portability, they've got the iX100. This is almost like a magic wand. It will scan a page at 300 DPI in less than six seconds. It will fit in a glove box, briefcase, or backpack, and it weighs only 14 ounces. It's USB powered, or it can scan wirelessly to an Android or iOS device, so you don't even have to take a computer. And if you need to scan large form documents or books, check out the SV600. You can find out more information at their website at budurl.me slash SSMPU. And thanks to Fujitsu for their longtime support of the show. So I've been, you know, mushing over Scrivener forever. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, if they had come out with the iOS app a couple of years ago, I probably never even would have looked at something like Ulysses, but it took them long enough that I did look at other things and I've seen some things. Um, that I actually prefer better about Ulysses. So so Scrivener is still being used by me, but not for everything. And there's a couple of things I don't like about it. One of the things I don't like is it's based on this Dropbox sync. They're not using an iCloud sync. And I understand why. I, I'm not even sure if it's possible to do an iCloud sync. I haven't talked to anybody really in the know, but when you add up, you know, the research, plus, you know, you've got multiple document formats and research plus text. I'm not sure that iCloud sync can really roll with that or if it could, if it could do it without breaking, you know, every second time you tried it. The big issue there is, is the package files, right? Yeah. It may be one of those things that is either impossible or someone at Apple told them, yeah, you could do this, but you're going to have a lot of problems and your, your customers are. Whereas Dropbox is long established, good at syncing uh, package files. Well, and there's no automatic sync, correct? Well, there is sort of an automatic sync. When you load the app, it, it, it's always trying to sync itself. It's always trying to like, it's like the old days with Microsoft Word where you hit command, uh, what control or command S every five seconds because you were, you just had muscle memory. The app has its own version of that where it's constantly trying to save. All that being said, if you leave it open in multiple places and you start making changes, you can break it. I, I was able to break it in testing it, but it was really me trying to break it where I had the iOS, uh, the iPad app open and the Mac app open with the same file, accessing the same Dropbox, changing the same text bucket at the same time and hitting sync. And of course it broke because I was trying to. But, um, but you know, I would ideally I'd like a system that I couldn't even break if I tried. And when you rely on Dropbox sync, this is going to happen. So if you're going to use Scrivener, you're not going to lose any data. And it does a good job of making backups and, and really trying to make recovery files in case there's a, a conflict. But, uh, the, you know, you've got to follow a couple of rules. And the first rule is try not to have it open in more than one place at a time and always make sure you press the sync button when you're done. And when you open the iPad, the sync button's right there. It's supposed to do it automatically, but I, I keep pressing it. And when I finish working on a file, I press the sync button again, make sure everything's done, give it you know, 20 seconds for a Dropbox to sort things out before I open it up on the Mac and continue where I left off. And if you can do that, you'll be fine. But the fact that you have to do that, that's a downside, right? I mean, nobody wants to think about that anymore. Uh, another downside of Scrivener is kind of the cockpit syndrome. It, it has so many features available to you. And uh, you can start making your your document or your, especially on the Mac, you can start making it look like a cockpit of an airplane because there's so many things you can start adding to it. Um, I don't really see that as a downside 
unless you want it to be. I mean, if you want to add all those bells and whistles, you can. They're available to you. I can tell you I've been using Scrivener for like, I don't know, probably since the Apple launched. So I would say probably eight years now. I don't know how long I've been using it. But I, I don't use a lot of the bells and whistles, and I've never felt a burning desire to. So I, I don't really experience that. But I, I hear from people who say they don't like that. And my, my response would be turn that off. Well, you've been using it at least as long as we've been doing Mac Power users, and that's been a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, I was using it for at least a year or two more when we started. Um, but, uh, collaboration, you already hit my Achilles heel there, Katie. You cut me deep. You're right. These apps don't collaborate. I mean, if I want to work with an editor on this stuff, I could send them. I guess I could send them the Scrivener file, but then I wouldn't be able to work in it, and he or she would have to come up with some kind of weird syntax. It's goofy. I, I really look at this as something, it's a kind of the one man's journey writing part of this thing. Once I'm done with that, um, and I said this, I think, way back on episode five or six when we originally did Scrivener, I said, or no, I think I said this when I talked about how I make my books. I kind of look at it as like Cortez burning his ships when he got to the new world. It's like, okay, once Scrivener gets me so far, and then once the text gets out of there, then that's that. I don't use it there anymore, and I'm done. It, it served its purpose. Uh, Scrivener has Markdown support, sort of. If you're a big Markdown writer, it's not really great. You're better off using rich text in there. Um, uh, I was talking to um, Federico Vitici, and I don't remember if it was at WWDC or Slack or somewhere, but he wrote his super big um, iOS 10 review that will be published shortly after the show comes out in Scrivener, which was a surprise to me because I know he's a big Markdown writer. And uh, he said, no, I want to be able to use the uh, rich text highlighting. So he could like, there was a section where he wanted to come back to it. He could make the text red in there. Or he had, he had like a color coding system. So, you know, but that makes sense to me because that is a ba large research based writing project. And I know he was waiting specifically for the Scrivener iOS app to come out to be able to do this. I, we need to talk to him at some point about exactly how he did that because his iOS review is massive. Yeah, well, we, we were scheduling a show with him to guest, but then uh, he got busy writing the review. We're going to do it after. He's heads, he heads down on the review right now, for sure. Um, the, another downside of Scrivener is, is um, maybe it's a, this one is kind of a squeaker, whether it's a good or a bad thing. There, there are some significant differences between the iOS and Mac versions. Um, the Mac version is definitely has more pro features, or but a surprising number of them made it to the iOS version. And frankly, the ones I wanted made it to iOS. I haven't like missed anything on iPad Scrivener that I thought I had on Mac. So I guess that's not really a downside, but it is, it's a little different. So if you're going to use the app, it's a little different experience on the Mac versus iOS. A lot of people were saying that the Scrivener iOS app was very surprisingly full featured for a 1.0 app. Yeah, honestly, I think it's better than the Mac app. <laughs> it's just the, uh, it's, it's more simple in some ways, but I think those simplicities are, are good things, but, but they're different. So if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't want to have two different things to deal with. If you want, you have to learn a little bit of a different interface on the Mac than the iOS. That may be something that bothers people, but, but by and large, he did a really good job of getting a complex app over to the iPad. I just wish there were more people doing that. I mean, there aren't that many people willing to take the shot to build something that powerful for the iPad. What's the story with the iPad app? And I, I know you don't want to go through all of it, but why did it take so long? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't have personal knowledge, except a little. And um, well, I think there was a blog post on it. It's more so. What yeah. I'm so to. we'll find it and link it. Um, um, Keith, the guy who writes Scrivener, is 
an amazing person and just a super nice guy. I think originally in my, my impression is that from my own experience of sending him an iPad, I don't think he was entirely sold that it would work. And if you look back the early days of iPad, the idea of getting a rich text editor that syncs research and all this stuff on an iPad, I think it was probably a mission impossible for the first few iterations of iOS for the iPad. I mean, I just don't think that the operating system could have handled it. And I'm not sure the hardware could have been up with it. Um, so then at some point he decided it was worth ex exploring or, or building on. And I think he hired somebody and the person wasn't able to finish it for whatever reason. But, you know, you, re you rely on somebody else so that you lose time while you're letting that go. And then my understanding, and this is secondhand, is that he said, okay, I'm going to do it, but he wrote it from scratch. And so, so it was developed probably, it was, it was slow in getting started and it was developed twice, which is why it took so long to get here. And we'll put a link in the show notes to the, the blog post that talks a little bit about that, that process. But I think the, the point here is that it was a long time coming, but it was really done right. Yeah. And it's here and it works. And if you like Scrivener, you're going to, on Mac, you're going to be very happy with Scrivener on your iPad. And, the, you know, what's not to like about that? If, if you buy into this whole thing I'm trying to sell here, saying, what if you try to use a writing tool to write better instead of just opening up Microsoft Word and starting, you know, writing at the top left corner without thinking about how things are organized or thinking what makes more sense to write now? I mean, like one of the things I do when I write legal stuff is I never write the introduction to a le something I'm going to file to a court till the very end. You know, because I don't really feel like I've, after I've spent, you know, five hours, you know, crafting something, then I'm able to write an introduction that can really have punch to it. Whereas if I just open up Word and start from like my brain is empty and I'm going to write an introduction, it's going to be trash. And things like Scrivener make it possible for you to say, okay, here's a placeholder for a bucket of words that can be the introduction. I'm perfectly fine leaving that empty now. And I'm going to go to the meat of this thing. I'm going to go to this one super narrow issue that I just spent an hour researching. And I'm going to write that now because I know this really well now. And you start assembling your document out of order. It's like nonlinear editing for video. Uh, there's a reason people do it because it makes more sense. And writing can be the same way with a tool like Scrivener. I'm going to sell you on it, Katie Floyd, at some point. I, I think you probably will at some point. I've got a copy of Scrivener. I have Scrivener here on my Mac. I have it on my Mac. I actually bought a copy. Yeah, Keith didn't even send it to me. I bought a copy. I, I've bought them too because I feel like these are things I need. I don't. I'm not asking for any favors here. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Just about everyone I know that's not a professional web developer has one of those war stories about that time they thought they'd build their own website and everything went horribly wrong. It's hard to build a website yourself and even harder to keep that website updated and secure. That's where Squarespace comes in. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level and there's no coding required. You'll easily be able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want it to. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site and ensure security and stability. They are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. Moreover, their site templates are stunning to look at, 
and they have all the features, including responsive design, to make your site look good on all size of devices. We hear from lots of Mac Power users that are running their businesses and personal spaces on Squarespace, and that's no surprise because of all the great features like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams in Dublin, New York, and Portland, so there's always somebody manning the lines to take care of you. Squarespace now supports cover page, which allows you to have a great looking single page website. This is really useful while you're building your new website. They also have rock solid, fast hosting, and so much more. Max Sparky is hosted on Squarespace, and occasionally I get linked by somebody big, and Squarespace never goes down on me. If you want to push the limits with Squarespace, you can do that as well with their dev platform that lets you dig into the code and tinker with your Squarespace site. If you sign up for a year, you also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start as low as $8 a month. So head over to squarespace.com and get started with your trial. There's no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the Mac Power users. We thank Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, so then let's talk about this other app that's been kind of hiding out in the background the whole time, Ulysses. So Ulysses kind of came out of nowhere. We were all settled. I was settled on using Scrivener, you know, until they pulled it out of my cold, dead hand. And these guys, I believe they're in Germany, uh, came up with this app called Ulysses. And um, they had a writing app on the iPhone that was not Ulysses. I forget the name of it now, but it was a um, kind of an interesting text writing app. But they came up with Ulysses, which which follows some of the same paradigms of Scrivener. And my initial impression of it was, okay, here's something like Scrivener, but it doesn't run as deep. You know, it doesn't have as many bells and whistles, but it's a real clean version of Scrivener and without the research. And that has, it's changed a little bit over time, but really that's kind of a, a nice summary of the app. So it started out as this app. It's really clean, very well-designed UI. It's nice when you see opinionated design and it's done by people that have good opinions. You know, sometimes you see opinionated design and it's not. Remember, uh, there, there have been so many people in the word processing space that come up with these goofy ideas. I remember there was one a couple of years ago. I'm not going to call their name out because number one, I can't remember it. Number two, I don't want them to feel bad. But they had a like a text editing app and it would like hide a bunch of your words. So you only saw like the two or three lines above and below what you were writing to hopefully keep you more focused, which I thought was completely insane. And then it would play like new age music while you're doing it. <laughs> um, Ulysses is the opposite of that. It's very practical, but it's, it's well-designed, nice layout, nice typography. And they started out on the Mac, but they came out on iOS last year. So they were about a year ahead of Scrivener getting to the iPad and iPhone. And it's a, it's a little different paradigm. I mean, it, like I said, it's similar to Scrivener in the sense that you have text buckets again, Left side of the screen, you've got these, you know, basically hierarchical organization that you can build and you can have these notes over there and the notes can have sub notes under them. And you've got a really nice little way to organize your words. And again, you can move those buckets around just like you can in Scrivener. And it's a real nice, easy way to get stuff done. But they don't treat a, every project as a separate file with Ulysses. And part of this, I think, is because of the iCloud sync. Um it's just one big file. You know, you open Ulysses, everything you're doing Ulysses is in one file. Would that not make it harder for organization? 
Uh, not really. So, so I mean, I am pushing Ulysses pretty hard. I've got, um, you know, major like sections there. I've got one for Max Sparky and underneath that I have like blog posts and underneath that I have subsections. Like one of the things I do with blog posts for years, I would have this running list. It was a, um, um, a single action or I started out single action and it, it was, um, a, ser- a series of, uh, lists and omnifocus for potential blog posts. So every time I saw something, I'd say, I might want to write about that someday. I would keep this project where I would drop things in and they might have a link to something that inspired me, or I'd write a quick sentence or two about what the subject was I wanted to write about. And I would want to, when I want to write a blog post, I'd go to that project and omnifocus and pick one and then write on it. And I found it to be a hassle to manage because of the way I use omnifocus. Sometimes I would get a big pile of them on my you know, daily lists, and then I have to resort those or manage them. And I just said, I don't want to be that to be something I manage and focus anymore. So what I did was I took each one of those inspirational ideas and I gave it a separate note in Ulysses under the Max Sparky slash blog slash ideas kind of hierarchy. So if I go in there, I've got a whole bunch of things in there that I've started writing or have started researching, and I've got a block of text in there as a future blog post. And now when I want to post on something, I go look through those, I can arrange them as I please. And, and I'll start dragging ones to the top that are more interesting to me. And when something really gets the serious treatment, then I drag it out of the ideas tab and Ulysses into the working tab where I'm actually actively working on posts. And if you go in that, in that one, you'll see I only have two or three things I'm actively working at one time. And it's just a really great way for me to write productively for the blog and I can open it on my iPhone, my iPad or my Mac and get to whatever one it is that I want to work on. So, and as I said earlier, newsletter is the same thing. The newsletter is like another little bucket in there. And, and I've got underneath the newsletter, like what's new at Mac power users is for, I've already started the one for the September newsletter. Um, so as Mac power users episodes get published, I might take a little bit of text and put it in there. So at the end of the month, I've got everything I need for the newsletter. Uh, on the legal side, I have um, I, I I don't feel that Scrivener is as good for research based writing, and that's that's the big money shot of the show. Is I think Ulysses is great for a lot of things. It's not good for like that situation where I've got a bunch of PDFs and websites and Word documents that I'm using as resources to build this document, uh, but. I've always used kind of the idea of a text bank for legal stuff because a lot of the things I do are transactional in nature where um, I mentioned an attorney fee clause earlier. I've got about six attorney fee clauses that I really like that I've kind of developed over the years. Um, and for the longest time, I kept those in NVLT and I had a way to search them out in NVLT, which kind of worked. And then I switched those over to Apple Notes when I made the big switch to Apple Notes, and it barely worked because search and sorting in Apple Notes isn't as good as NVLT. And it occurred to me as I've been you know, working with these apps in preparation of the show that Ulysses is an ideal text bank for me. So I have moved all that stuff out of Apple Notes, and I've put them into Ulysses where they're in a hierarchical list, and I know exactly where like general contract terms are, where I would find my attorney fee clause text, and it's in there. Ulysses is a plain text-based editor, so I can drag, you know, just block and copy and put any of that stuff I want into a Word document that I generated or opposing counsel's generated. It's going to adopt the formatting of wherever I paste it, and it's just a super fast way for me to get text that I like into documents I'm writing. 
But you mentioned that Ulysses kind of clumps everything together. Do you, can you still have multiple Ulysses files for different types of topics? Like, do you have one for the Max Sparky newsletter stuff and one for your uh, attorney stuff? I mean, how do you organize all this? It's one file. One period? One period, one file period. And, but it, if you look in the left column, I'll send you a screenshot. Okay. You can hierarchically organize them. So, you know, and it's full, it's got a little disclosure triangle. So all I have to do is hit the little triangle next to Max Barkey and everything underneath it folds up and then hit the disclosure next to legal and then a whole bunch of stuff folds down. So I can jump into whatever area of my life I'm working on at the time. Most people aren't like me. You know, they aren't publishing a blog, a book, uh, you know, uh, law practice and most people aren't doing this many different things at once but even if you are it can serve you as long as you get a little structure to the way you you build your hierarchy as you set the app up do you worry at all about what happens if that you i mean i guess at the core of this this is just plain text is there a way to go in and get those files out if something happens if this gets corrupted or that's a concern you know one file means one point of failure I mean, I'm kind of having flashbacks to like, you know, Microsoft Entourage days when your database file would get corrupted. Yeah, but this isn't like that. Uh, Microsoft Entourage, I mean, the it was the, uh, I think I think it was Merlin Mann that said to me, it's like putting, uh, filling your kitchen cabinet full of dynamite and pretending that there's nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, this isn't like that because it, it, the stuff isn't proprietary. It's text files in there. You know, one of the downsides of Ulysses is I can't drop a bunch of PDFs into it and have research files the way I can with, with, um, with Scrivener. So the file, and that's one of the reasons why I think it works so well with iCloud. Although I, you know, I, I had lunch with the, uh, with the Ulysses team at WWDC this year. And I believe that they were some real, really some of the pioneers with the iCloud, you know, document portability and storage formats. And that Apple probably learned a lot. I think they talked a lot with the Ulysses team as things kind of got launched and they were sorting this out. But but the Ulysses sync works really well. And I don't have to worry about hitting the sync button like I do with Scrivener. Um, there is some delay, though. Sometimes when you open up Ulysses, like on the phone, I don't use it as much on the phone as I do my other my iPad and my Mac. And if it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on my iPhone, then you're going to see the little wheel grinding as it you know catches up with whatever's happened in iCloud since it was last checking in. Is that just because, I mean, how large does this get? Is that... Because you got a lot of stuff in there. I know it's just text, but still. It's just text. So I don't think it's super large, but, you know, I'm always in there making changes and tweaks. I mean, everything I've got, I'll have to look into this um, if there's any way to get statistics out of Ulysses, because I have a lot of words in Ulysses. I mean, when you think about all the different things I'm doing in here, I don't think it actually gives you an easy way to give you statistics about your database. The idea with Ulysses for me is it's not going to be this research tool, but it's going to be a good writing tool. And as a result, it really kind of falls to me as a great place to write blog posts, newsletters. It serves as a decent place to do some legal writing, but like the big, heavy research-based writing stuff I do in Scrivener. But it serves as a great place to store bits of text I want to use in the process of legal writing. Um, You know, I used to do that in Scrivener as well, but because Scrivener has rich text, it always seemed like I spent a lot of time trying to get the text to behave. You know, when you've got text from different sources and documents and you start combining it in a rich text environment, suddenly you're going to have one paragraph that's Times Roman and another paragraph that's, you know, Helvetica. And it's just like all that stuff is just more wasted time for me. 
Um, the advantage of, of Ulysses is it's all plain text. Um, another thing I like about Ulysses is the um, just the layout and the typography. Like I said earlier, they have this opinionated design, and I think it's prettier than Scrivener. And that's purely subjective. But if you look at the two apps together, just go look at the two screenshots. I mean, like Scrivener on on iOS is a lot cleaner than it is on Mac. You know, and like I said, they have fewer features, so that makes it easier. But, you know, it's just if you're going to be spending a lot of time working there, sometimes just the way the environment looks makes a difference for you. Um, uh, the Ulysses guys are leveraging the fact that they're plain text, so they've got a lot of support for Markdown. Um, and that's kind of that one is a, that one can go as a good or a bad. Some people don't like Markdown. Um, William Gallagher, who is someone I'm going to reference at the end of the show here, he's a, an author who actually wrote a book called Scrivener versus Ulysses, says, well, I, I don't get it. I don't like Markdown. So that makes it harder for me to use Ulysses. But Markdown is a, is a nice feature. They kind of teach you how if you don't know how to use it. But it has really great support for Markdown. And I use Markdown. So there you go. Um, little things like the icon design, you know, for each of the little buckets, um, you can have little icons assigned to them. Like I have an icon for stuff like, you know, the little jazz posts I do at Max Sparky occasionally. I have a, a little bucket in Ulysses that's got a little music note in there and that's the jazz post. And I put, like, I may have a name in there like Dexter Gordon and it, there's no post written under it, but I've got a little note aside because I know one day I want to write a post about him. Um, and I've got icons that make it visually easy, me, easy for me to find it. They've got that stuff in Scrivener as well. They're a little cleaner in Ulysses. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of the difference. To, to me, the tipping point is, do you want something to be a research tool or do you want it to be kind of a text bucket tool? When do you cross that line? And, and I get that you're using these for very different purposes, but when is something a snippet of text that's more appropriate for like text expander Versus something that goes in your text bucket. Where does that line get crossed? Well, like, for instance, the text bucket, uh, using the example of attorney fee clause, which is of no interest to most of our listeners. I've got like five of them, you know, and, and it depends on what state we're in. And there's all sorts of different variables that can determine which one is appropriate for what I'm doing. I can't do that as a text expander snippet because I'm not going to have attorney fee clause one, two, three, four, five. And have to remember which one's which, right? Yeah, and I guess I could do it where you select the one you want, but it, it's just over the years, I found it easier for something like that, especially when you take all of those general terms that I use over and over again, and I put them all in one place, I can almost like pick from a menu when I've got them in Ulysses. Um, the, the interesting thing I found, because when when Scrivener came back to iOS, you know, when it showed up and the app was you know proved that it was a, a good app, I fully intended to switch my Max Barkey field guide books back into Scrivener because that's where I wrote most of my original field guides. And since then, I've switched over to Ulysses because I do enough writing on iPad that I need to have the ability to work you know, on iPad. Um, however, I have not done that. Interesting. I thought that'd be like the first thing you do. Yeah, you would think, right? But as I thought about it, I don't really write the field guides. They're not heavily research-based writing to me. You're just making this stuff up. Well, no, I, I know what I want to say, you know, but, and I do like the text bucket idea. I do like the ability to change organization and subtopics and things like that, but I don't have a bunch of PDFs or websites and things I'm referring to when I'm writing Max Barkey field guides. It's basically written from experience. 
And if I'm writing about an app, I've got the app in front of me, but I don't have like a lot of other research materials I need. And I just decided I'm not going to switch those back over to Scrivener. I, I like the fact that they're plain text because uh, my workflow for those books that are going into iBooks authors, they need to be just dead simple plain text when they go into iBooks author or iBooks author will start breaking. So why am I adding Scrivener to the mix? So like where I'm happy to use Scrivener to write a big legal project, I don't think I'm going to be doing the field guides, at least for the immediate future in uh, Scrivener. That shocks me to hear that. Yeah. It, but, you know, when you think about it, it, it makes sense. If it was something that was research-based, I, I would do something different. If I was writing a novel, I would definitely be in Scrivener. Um, how, did, how did you solve this problem before? Because before you went from uh, Scrivener to Pages and then into iBooks Author, right? Yeah. Well, what I do is, I mean, I, I'm cutting out some steps, but when I have an editor, things get into Pages because my editors both use Pages. Um, so the text goes into pages and then it gets turned back into plain text before it goes into iBooks author. I mean, that's a wholly another show really, but, but the point of, of it all is, and, and when I look back, I went and looked at some of my old Scrivener files for some of the other books I'd written in Scrivener for, um, uh, the Max Barkeyfield guides and none of them hadn't really much research at all inside of them. I mean, because I never really used them that way. So I was using the organizational uh, pieces of Scrivener, but not really the research pieces for those projects. And, and the organizational stuff in Ulysses is just fine. You know, it, it doesn't have the research piece of it down, but the organizational stuff is fine. So there's no reason to leave at this point. Now you've got me nervous with all that stuff in Ulysses. I guess it's fine. I will say that I've, I've downloaded and I've, I've played around a little bit with the Ulysses app. They, they really do sweat the details. Yeah, they do. And when I had breakfast with those guys, I w- it was funny talking to them. Like one of the issues is they quite often get people asking, well, we want to add our own icons. You know, they want to be able to import icons and put them into the app. And the question they always ask is, well, what icon is it that you want? <laughs> and they keep track. And if enough people want, they draw it and they they put it in the app, but they want to draw it themselves. I mean, it is opinionated design. They want it to have a certain look. They don't want you to just be able to put anything in there. I kind of like that, you know, and, and it's fine. And the, that icon list grows every time a new version comes out. There's some new icons in there. But I mean, that and that's just a small point. But it is it is kind of indicative of the ideas behind the developers. Um, the sync is solid. I've never had any problems. I've never lost data out of either one of these applications, Scrivener and Ulysses. I've just never I've never lost a word using them for all these years. Um the another good thing about Ulysses is that you've got this really close relationship to the Mac. I mean, using it on the Mac and iPad is almost identical. So uh, you really have no, you know, no interference when you're going between platforms. And I think that's another reason why I'm leaving the field guides in Ulysses. Any bad? Yeah, there is some bad. Um, the uh, organization I don't think is as easy as it is in Scrivener. I mean, you, you create these buckets like like uh, OPML with Scrivener. You can just import an OPML file. Like if I build an outline in my node and you can OPML import that, it automatically creates the hierarchy for you. Uh, Ulysses does not do that. I'm told that they're working on that. But at this point, as far as I know, it doesn't do it. Um. So that, that adds some extra work. The, uh, the Markdown is a little bit of a variant of Markdown. It's not, you know, vanilla flavored Markdown. So there's a little bit of change you have to learn when you start using it. The biggest downside, though, is, is the no research. You know, 
which, it, you know, it just limits some of the things you can do with the app. I, you know, when I was writing this outline, I was thinking about how big of a downside is that is maybe that's just not what this app is meant to be used for. <laughs> you know? That That's what I was just thinking for. It doesn't sound like they want it to be a research app. Yeah. And, and maybe that's okay. And and if you're writing a dissertation, if I'm writing a dissertation, I would absolutely do it in Scrivener. There'd be just no question. And, um, and maybe adding research to this app would make it so noisy that it would take away some of the things that are delightful about it as it is. Um, all the eggs in one basket, you know, we kind of talked about that, but the, everything is one place. I mean, there's ways to get data out. They've got data exporters and importers and, you know, the people that are, that are behind it are very smart and uh, trying to give you ways to, to protect your data. I don't have any um, really concern of data loss because if there was a problem, it's, I'd be able to get into the file. I do back it up too. Did you see they, they seem to be very on top of this. They just wrote a data importer for Vesper. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I saw that. So the uh, so Vesper just shut down a few days ago, and they're like, okay, well, you just run this little script, and we're going to pull all your Vesper data and put it into notes for um, for Ulysses. Uh, Ulysses is not a replacement for Apple Notes for me, though. You know, it, there are things I do. In, you know, I talked about that text bank idea, but for instance, another thing I do in Apple Notes is just when someone calls me to talk about something, I just keep a little note on it. And, you know, when we talked and what we talked about and what they expected next thing that we have to do is, and, and Apple notes is, is better for that. So, you know, I, I think I'm willing to have more than one tool in my belt for writing because words are how I make my living. Um, uh, another, you know, negative of Ulysses, which is the same one I had with Scrivener is collaboration. It's just not a collaboration tool. It's even, I think it would be even less uh, amenable to collaboration because it's your iCloud file. Are you going to, how are you going to get that to somebody else? And because there's, there's so much in it. It's, it, you don't want to share all of that stuff. It, Ulysses, I find a little more delightful than Scrivener at this point, but it's not like, it's not the big hammer. Like if I really wanted, like, you know, I need the sledgehammer. It's going to be Scrivener. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's kind of the way I would look at it. Our next sponsor for this episode is a company that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is Fracture. You can learn more about Fracture and get a discount off your first order by visiting FractureMe.com slash podcast. So Fracture is a photo decor company that is out to rescue all of your favorite images from the digital ether. Here's what they do. They take your photos and print them directly onto glass. It is amazing. If you've never seen a fracture before, you have to see it to believe it. I have several of these at my home and at my office, and they are always the best talking points. People come in, they see the fractures on the wall. I've got big, beautiful, blown up fractures of images that I've taken from around the world. I've got some from the Grand Canyon and from Alaska and from other great family vacations, and they are instant talking points. People can't believe how beautiful they are and how much the color pops and these images just come off the wall. They even come with a little wall anchor in the box so you can hang them right there. You don't need anything. There's no photo. There's nothing to frame. There's no matting. These just look gorgeous. The fracture process makes these colors and contrast of your photos really pop. They're sleek. They're frameless. They work anywhere you want to put them. So you can use a fracture to bring a special memory to life. They're great as gifts or to decorate your home with the special memories of your story. I think they look great in business too. And it's a fairly inexpensive way to bring artwork into your business that tells a story about your business or just tells a story about you. So be sure to ask them about their professional and bulk discounts before you order if that's something you're interested in. Each fracture comes with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're sure to love each order. 
and they are handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. sourced materials in their carbon neutral factory. So if you want to find out more information and get your own fractures, head over to FractureMe.com slash podcast. And don't forget to mention Mac Power users in their one question survey. It helps support the show and you can easily get a discount off your first order. Again, that's FractureMe.com slash podcast. You've got to see them to believe them, and I think you'll be very happy with what you find. So go check them out, and thanks to Fracture for their continued support of the show. Who are these right for? Should everybody be using both Scrivener and Ulysses? Is it um, a a situation where you can use both, you should use both, or is that really only for for the fiddly writing geeks? No, I, I don't think this is something that's a fiddly writing geek thing. I think it's something that can make anybody a better writer, and especially anybody who's writing a significant amount of words. The, the real question is, you know, where do you draw the line between the two? Um, I know Scrivener has a free trial. I believe Ulysses does as well. But even just going to the websites and looking at the, the photos and the images, you're going to get a really good idea for the different flavor of the apps. Uh, they both support, which I think is kind of key, the ability to kind of organize your words in these text buckets and move them around on the left side of the screen and, and just kind of have that as an organizational tool, you know, writing your document from the inside out, as I was re- referencing earlier. So they're both going to give you that feature. The big difference is I think Ulysses is easier and cleaner and Scrivener is more powerful, especially with research-based writing. So if you are the kind of person that needs to do the research writing, if the idea of a desk with copies of all the key documents and your artist's artisanal paper and pencil makes sense to you, then Scrivener gives you the digital equivalent of that. It gives you the ability to have it all together. Like when Katie was doing her big research paper for her grad school, I think Scrivener would have been the appropriate tool for that. I know that you didn't need it and that you were able to do it other, some other way. But if you were to ask me, I would say Scrivener is probably the right tool because you have research, right? And, and you did tell me at the time. Yeah. Now, Ulysses doesn't give you as powerful research tools, but the combination of the easy synchronization, the way the text is plain text and makes it really easy to to get it out, makes this an everyday tool. I mean, I I am in Ulysses every day. I'm not in Scrivener every day, but when I have a big project, I'm in Scrivener all day. I guess that's a good way to summarize it. Um, I wanted to break it up a little bit in terms of different people and different types of projects and just kind of discuss that. It sounds like there, there could be some overlap, but there are definitely some areas where each of these have their strengths. Yeah, exactly. So, so research paper dissertation, I think that is heavily leaning Scrivener for me. Okay. What about if you're a writer? What if you're doing more, uh, I, I was going to say Federico Vitici, but I think he's the outlier because his, his blogging and writing is, is very, very long form. So let's say you're you're more of a normal writer. You're doing, you know, a thousand words or less in writing. And you're doing them for what medium? For a newspaper, blog, online writing, just journalism type writing. Yeah, I think the kind of stuff that's not research intensive, you would be better off to try and do it in Ulysses. If it's research intensive, like journalism, when I hear journalism, I'm thinking, well, there could be a bunch of, of research-based stuff involved. And All right, I was thinking modern journalism. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> A little commentary there from Katie. Sorry, no commentary, making no judgments. <laughs> but yeah, like like if you had a blog, like I think, you know, 
you'd probably be better with Ulysses. I mean, you could do it with Scrivener, but you know, the nice idea with Ulysses, in particular a blog, is it's plain text. So if you wanted to paste it into your blog blogging platform, you could do that. One of the things I do with Ulysses, I write Max Barkey posts in Ulysses, and they've got the ability to export as rich text. You know, I write in Markdown, but I export as rich text, and it's a very simple process in Ulysses. And because I'm on Squarespace, uh, Squarespace's blogging engine, even on the iPad, will will import rich text. So the actual text, when it gets pasted, goes in as rich text, and Ulysses does a really good job. So all my links and everything and you know text formatting just go in. And that's an example of you know where it's nice. Uh, Ulysses also has um, kind of built pathways directly into some of the blogging platforms. Like you can post directly to Medium and you can post directly to WordPress from Ulysses without having to go to that intermediate step. In fact, I think John Voorhees talked about that when he was on a few weeks ago. He's using Ulysses to publish directly to his website through uh, WordPress. What about if you're writing fiction or nonfiction, but a, a story, a novel? I know, isn't NaNoWriMo coming up? And I know a lot of people uh, participate in that each year. Yeah, I, I would probably lean towards Scrivener for that because it, it's just such, I mean, it would, the original purpose of Scrivener was to write fiction. And it's got so many things in there about, you know, tracking a character and uh, location. It's, I mean, all of the, uh, you know, just all of the tools are built around writing a novel. And, and Scrivener, if you're writing a novel, you should do it in Scrivener. In fact, if you go to their website, there's this remarkable number of published authors that have used Scrivener to write their books. And I guess I should mention NatNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. Yes. And our friend Jason Snell is like, I think on the board of directors of it or something. He's involved. And it's usually in November. But but the idea is, you know, get a get a novel written in a month. You can do it. And with a tool like Scrivener, you probably, you'd, you'd have a leg up. Let's just put it that way. You still have to do the hard work of writing. I can't, that, it can't write the book for you. But it, oh. can, uh, it can't take, I mean, it's like, just imagine if you're writing, uh, you know, a hundred thousand words. Like my, some of the books I've written in the past have been a hundred thousand words. Trying to do that as one word document. Just imagine all the problems you're going to face. Why wouldn't you want it in these little buckets where you can jump around and get where you want very easily? Text bank stuff, I think Ulysses wins because it's plain text and it's just easy to store and easy to see. Um, uh, if you're writing, I guess journalism really depends on what type of journalism you're doing. But if it's simple stuff, I think you could probably pull it off Ulysses. Yeah, I think it depends really. Is it long form, short form, and how researched is it? I think for what Federico's doing, Scrivener's the right choice for him. So, Katie, what's kept you away from these apps for so long? I mean, why have you never really, you know, bid on this? I don't like to be that fidgety with my writing workflows. Honestly, I'm, I'm the kind of person who, when I find something that works, I tend to stick with it. And by word has been my writing tool of choice. And if I'm if I'm writing something for work, it's typically in word because that's what it needs to be. And that's what the court accepts. And that's what my collaborators use. If I'm right, my the rest of my writing tends to be fairly short form. It tends to be blog posts. It tends to be letters, uh, you know, things that are less than a thousand words. I don't do a lot of long form writing. I just don't. I don't uh, do with the exception of this one project. I don't do long researched pieces. I don't really have any desire to, honestly. I think part of it also is because like estate planning is not an area of law where it's heavy research, like writing intensive. You're you're researching something to solve a particular problem. And then the problem that you solve may be done in a paragraph. 
I think that I think the 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 nature of of your practice is one for which you know these tools aren't as important. And I've I've gotten away quite a bit from litigation. I'm I'm handling fewer and fewer litigation, so I'm not briefing as many things as I used to. Well, it is these tools are out there for you. And I, listen, I'm I'm not asking you know asking you to go buy these if you don't want them. But if you do a lot of writing, and the the types of problems that I've solved with these apps are problems you're facing. I think you should take a look at these apps. They're both made by small development teams of people that are really passionate about what they're doing and trying to bring you an excellent product. Um, what I said at the beginning of the show, I really believe, I think I'm a better writer when I use tools like this because it forces me to try and get smarter about the way I write. And it looks it allows me to look at the stuff I write in a different way, which always makes it better in the end. So uh, neither one of these apps are going to break the piggy bank entirely to get them. Uh, if you get them, you know, get both the iOS and the Mac version, cause you're going to want to use it in both platforms and take a look and let me know what you think. Uh, we're going to do a live show at some point and, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on this. Um, some additional resources I would point out, as I talked about earlier, William Gallagher has that book called Scrivener versus Ulysses, which I believe is in the iBooks author store and the Amazon bookstore, but I'm not sure. Um, if you go in Google and you type Scrivener versus Ulysses, you'll see there's a ton of people that have very opinionated answers about this. And, and really looking at that, I realized that I do not feel that one is necessarily better than the other. I think they're very different, but yet similar. So that's why I wanted to give them in one show. I want to cover them both in one show. Awesome. Well, we will have that feedback show that we're going to record on September 7th, I believe, the day of the Apple event. So if you want to send in comments or questions about this particular episode, you can send those to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at MacPowerUsers. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I am at MacSparky. And we want to thank our sponsors for this episode. That would be Smile, Fujitsu, Fracture, and Squarespace. And of course, thank you to all of the Relay members who support us. I hope you all enjoyed your special bonus episode last month. David and I certainly uh, had a lot of fun preparing it for you. Yeah, I think we should just uh, record a Star Wars and Star Trek episode every month, Katie. Uh, we don't even have to release it. We could just sit down and talk about it on the phone for a while. Well, you know, I'm I'm in the midst of. Is that our next podcast idea? Is Star Trek versus Star Wars? I don't know. I think there's a. I think that's covered. I'm in the. I'm in the midst of my uh, annual Star Trek rewatch, but I might get. This is where I get hung up a little bit because the next one I have to watch is uh, the Final Frontier. Which one is that? That's five. What does God need with a starship? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's where I, I tend to stall there a little bit. I I am. Um, they had a deal on iTunes, so I got them all. Yeah, they run that every year or so. I've been watching several of them, and, you know, like, I, I have First Contact queued up next. I could watch that once a year. That's a good movie. All right, we'll see you all next week. Bye.